It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 125 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. You waiting for a welcome? I was waiting to prep the audience for your sickliness. That you just might not be up to the normal standard. And I'm debating, does that mean I have to take it easier on you because you're in this health-depressed state? And so I'm just trying to mentally prepare myself. And then the audience, so they go, yeah, you know, Scott has to carry the show one more time. I just wanted them to be prepared for that. To your eyes, that doesn't make it any different than any other time. You nailed it. (laughs) That is right. So yeah, I guess Heather's normal. She's sick, but normal. Other than that, I'm starting to get a little antsy. There's the obvious feeling that we're coming down to the wire discussing the Curse of the Black Pearl. I'm a little excited about the next season. Things we've planned between seasons, the evolution of the show, and all that pirate stuff. I think that antsy feeling will really hit when we get to the credits, so... That's the big signal that the movie is coming to an end. But for now, it's creeping up on me. I have to admit, I'm starting to actually feel like I'm part of the freaking movie. Is it just me? What's this about? Seriously. Or is it weird? I don't, I don't know. Do you have that Why feeling? Not, that I'm part of the movie? Not yeah. really. Not like, okay, not inside the movie, you goofball. But like, part of the crew. You're part of the, the movie. The that, whole thing. We're almost done. Well, that we put it together. That we're like actually oh. part of the cast oh. and crew. Do you feel like that? Kind of. Because little. every day we talk about yeah. it. It's like we're promoting Pirates of the Caribbean every day and we're like, Behind the scenes, working with the directors and the writers, working on this stuff. It just feels like our name should be on the freaking credits for this movie. I wonder how this movie will do in the theater. I don't know. I'm guessing maybe (laughs) around $654 million in 2003 dollars. That's just a rough guess, so. Just a rough one. Yeah, but I always like to reference my box office dollars in in 2003. (laughs) So that's how all of my stuff comes out. But it's really strange that I have this overwhelming urge to... Have a high seas adventure too. Something's going on here. I'm part of the movie, but then I have this urge that I really need to have an adventure. (laughs) A trip to Hawaii maybe? I don't know. And I'm all hot and bothered for a swashbuckler though. I'm serious. It's not a movie, but I really do need to have that adventure life now. (laughs) Definitely a trip to Disneyland needs to happen as well, as it's been a few years since we've gone there. And I feel that I should be getting a behind-the-scenes tour while we're there as well. They're like, oh, you're the Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean minute, people? Well, come right you're in. Special. <laughs> Skip the line. We got celebrities here. I don't know. It's just weird. It's something. It's, like, really bizarre. And I have this newfound connection for the film, I think, is part of what it is. Well, maybe because you've been picking it apart. I, I just really... I need Verbinski to call me and go... Yeah, you know what? We should have really thought about you guys in the future and put your name on the credits. Or maybe it is like a Purple Rosa Cairo thing like you were talking about. We can be sitting at home watching the movie, and then I'll get up and I'll just walk right onto the screen there. There you go. 
I already love the ocean, so it could happen. I could just pop Possibly. right onto the screen with Johnny Depp. There you go. That sounds like a plan. Actually, what my first thing would probably be to go to the treasure cave, and then that way I could take some treasure, actually. <laughs> That'd make a lot of things easier, wouldn't it? That it would. Just stay out of that cursed box. But seriously, now look what's happened. Damn you, Pirates of the Caribbean. Now I got an urge for a swashbuckling lifestyle. I feel like I should be part of the credits and the team developing Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. There's all kinds of craziness going on. Before I slip out of reality, how about we just get the pirate action underway? Let's get some pirate action Or maybe underway. I've already slipped out of reality. Kinda. That's possible. Just a little. A little. Or a whole lot. Something's not working for me right now, though. I can tell you. <laughs> In the previous minute, the sailors, marines, and Governor Swan give the formerly cursed crewmen all the huzzas they need. Huzzah! Twig stares down the blade of Commodore Norrington's sword. Captain Jack Sparrow makes a hell of a ruckus digging through the now up-for-grabs treasure, while Will Turner tries to plunder his own treasure, only to sour the moment by invoking an equally painful incantation of his own known as the Curse of the Fiancé. Bad form? Bad form, Will. <laughs> Minute 125 begins with Will watching Elizabeth walk away. Jack approaches adorned in treasure and complete with crown and chalice. If you were waiting for the opportune moment, that was it. The minute ends with Jack standing on the gallows with his hands tied and a noose around his neck, muttering under his breath, Captain, Captain Jack Sparrow. The town clerk continues reading the crimes for which he is going to be punished. For your willful commission of crimes against the crown, said crimes being numerous in quantity and dot dot dot. Now that we are armed with information from Minute 125, did we need to go back and briefly revisit your hypothesis that Jack was purposely making noise in the background to interrupt the moment between Will and Elizabeth? Yeah. Well then, get it started. Giddy up over there. (laughs) So you don't think it could be that the reason Jack was making all the noise is because he was trying to interrupt that almost kiss? As I said yesterday, it does make sense. But my question to you then, regarding Jack, is he the type of character that is not satisfied unless every woman he runs into or he strikes up fancy with or finds attractive must, of course, be attracted to him? Isn't he that type of person who needs that validation? Is it just no, Elizabeth or no. is it anybody that would this happen to? He wants to be the center of attention always, but then he doesn't want to be the center of attention. And we talked about that. Because when he shows up at Port Royal... He wants to just slide into town, take a ship, but he still wants everybody to have heard of him. Right. And to know who he is in a weird way. Right. So Jack rustling the treasure, if you want to call it that, is he just doing it to be kind of a butt because he's not the center of the attention right there? Maybe. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Because of course Elizabeth, well, in his mind, I guess I should say, of course Elizabeth likes him. She's just playing hard to get kind of thing. Of course. He likes the adoration and recognition, which we see in this minute when he corrects the town clerk by saying it's not Jack Sparrow, but Captain Jack Sparrow. So is this the same thing? Is Jack really making noise to make sure he is the top pirate in the cave? Or is he just digging for loot? Or is it more of being bored having to wait for these two to have Uh, a romantic moment? Yeah. It's like a kid. Or it's like me. You take me shopping. And what happens? Don't take Scott shopping. Am I like Jack Sparrow there? I'm getting a little agitated. I'm getting jittery. And you're like, what is wrong? I said, nothing. But you can clearly see that I'm vibrating. My body's shaking and I'm about ready to keel over. That's what maybe it is. Maybe. Nothing's going on. He's doing that nervous boredom thing and just making noise. 
Yeah, I throw treasure around sometimes because it's just so plentiful. <laughs> so it's like throwing a mini temper tantrum out of boredom. It's almost like you're trying to be sly about it, but you're not so sly yeah. that you're bored. And you're just trying to move this show along. Mm, good point. He's going to be obnoxious, the idea is, until he gets his way and they move along to claim the prize, the Black Pearl. I mean, is that it? Or is it jealousy with Will? Maybe that's it. I mean, it could be a little jealousy of not being the center of attention, like you said. But he's, you're right, He's his goal in mind is the Black Pearl. And that's all he cares about at this moment. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, if it's yeah. not necessarily to have to do with Elizabeth. He's just I mean, being maybe annoying. a tinge, yeah, he's just being the annoying little kid. Yeah. The annoying little Scott while shopping. Exactly. He does follow up again with Will in this minute when he says the idea that this was the opportune moment. You know, if you were looking for an opportune moment, that was it. And this is also Jack giving lessons to Will again. Right. Which is something that we established as a dynamic between their characters early on. It's a general running theme from Jack. Discussing sword fighting, to sailing, to now advice about women. But you know he's paying attention to what's going on rather than just rifle through the treasure. Yeah, that's a good point. Because it's not like he was just coming back to them and saying, oh, what was going on there? Why did Elizabeth walk away? He knows everything that's been going on. So he was listening. He was listening. He was paying attention. He was eavesdropping. So Uh that's maybe it. Maybe it was just a, a boredom thing, but he was really eavesdropping on the situation. And then he's shaking his head like, man, I would have had this wrapped up so long ago. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> the sad part is that Will knows he messed up in that one yeah. on one thing with Elizabeth. You can clearly see it on his face when Elizabeth walks away. And especially after Jack says that was the opportune time. There's no hiding that look of, oh, man, that was it. And I yeah. just blew that. Yeah. Did you notice that amongst the treasure, though, that Jack is carrying in that box... Is the gold statue he examined before the fight with Barbosa? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's the one he threw down, but obviously picked it back up, and now he's taking it away as a memento. How funny. Yeah, it's the same one. Huh. I didn't notice that. That's interesting. I know we were talking about the reality of what he was doing when he was looking, say, for the mark. Yeah. The, kind of the maker's mark, if you will. Yeah. Although maker's mark, I could use some maker's mark right now. <laughs> He was looking for the mark to see maybe authenticity and stuff. But it was funny that Jack, when he commented on that in the commentary track for Curse of the Black Pearl, his line was checking the sex of it or something to <laughs> oh. that effect. Checking to see what sex it was because he was lifting. He, he turned it over. Yeah. And so it was pretty funny, but not really pertinent. <laughs> so in his mind, I guess he really wasn't checking for the mark. He was nope. just trying to see, He's hey, is this a man or, or woman? <laughs> you think the boobies on it would have given it away. Uh, you might. Possibly. There's, Yeah, back in the 18th century it would have, for sure. Yeah. Everybody ends up leaving the cave and we cut to them rowing in the boat. And Jack gets that change in attitude when they're rowing away from the island. And it's not unexpected, given that the Black Pearl is gone. Yeah. I can just imagine that uncomfortable situation... Jack, whether he was entirely on the up and up and on their side all the time, is debatable for Will and Elizabeth. But he did uphold his end of the freaking bargain here. Right? Yeah. He did do that. Yeah. Now, they row out of the cave and Elizabeth has to drop the bomb that, well, the Motley crew sailed off with the pearl. And that's why it's not anchored out there. Ten freaking years! It's in his hands and then the pearl is gone once again. Yeah. Yeah, you should think she would have broken that to him earlier. 
Well, that's they were something still in the cave. Just, no, that's always news that you wait till the very end. <laughs> yeah, but now he's trapped. They just wanted to make sure that he did what he was. It's not like she wanted to walk into the cave and when he's fighting Barbosa and said, they just rode off with the damn pearl. Then you get Barbosa and Jack distracted. Yeah. Which maybe worked in their favor, but yeah. it all worked out now. There's an interesting tie between Barbosa and Jack just on their characters because Barbosa was seeking a piece of Aztec gold, had it in his hand, and then lost it. Jack has been seeking a pearl, had it in his hands, then lost it. Yes. It's the cool link between the protagonist and the antagonist that it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> At least for the audience, anyways. It's a little upsetting for Jack, probably. I notice you're a bit quiet over there. Is that the illness taking hold? No, really. Yeah. Once again, I got to do all the legwork around here. Walk the plank. When I could just be wishing I was on that rum runner's aisle, kicking back with a stash of rum rum to make all kinds of cool drinks, little umbrellas but there, in them. there was only rum. No, not today. Oh. I want where people are actually serving me out oh, there and I'm okay. just hanging out on the beach. Obviously, you're too ill to go, so you'd have to stay here. Obviously. We do another cut scene. Actually, it's kind of interesting because I do like the way that they transition from the rowing scene when Jack is now a little depressed. Wearing his crown, by the way. Just a little depressed. That you hear the drums starting up. Then we finally, it's revealed that he's back in Port Royal on the gallows there. Yeah. And the town clerk is reading off the verdict while Jack is standing on the gallows all ready to see the hangman do his job. He is rather calm and collected given he got the screw job from Norrington. The by the book Norrington. Jack saved the Dauntless. Okay, given he was one who basically caused the destruction of the Interceptor. <laughs> so it's not like you can completely forgive him. But Norrington could have extended, well, some special treatment or circumstances. Send him off in a longboat or something. Allow him to slip away. Drop him off at Rum Runner's Isle, for God's sakes. But really, take him to Port Royal for a hanging? That's yeah. just rude. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he did get Elizabeth back. He did help save the Dauntless from the crew. Norrington's craziness there. So, just a little little special treatment. Exactly. That's all I have to say. The town clerk is played by Owen Finnegan, and this was his debut movie appearance. Unfortunately, it appeared this was really his only credit. Well, okay. Besides a movie called South of Madonna that is currently being filmed. Oh, okay. So he likes to do a movie every 12 years. <laughs> what what year is it? Every... I don't even know what year it We're is in anymore. 2017. <laughs> Every 14 years. It's that basic math. That's a bummer. Uh-huh. Are you yawning on this thing? No, uh-huh. How much are you dying over there? Arr! Seriously. How could people out there be entertained I if you're not even will. entertained? Oh, man. And when we were talking about Owen Finnegan, this is like his big claim to glory that we're actually talking about him. And then you go and yawn. That's just a real slap in the face Sorry, to our Owen. town clerk. Yeah. Not surprisingly, though, I didn't find any other current information on what he's been up to in the meantime, whether acting in stage productions or commercials or simply driving a cab. I'm not really sure. I did find a 2003 brief interview he had on NPR, though. Oh, really? Yeah. It was about four minutes, and it was titled Taxi Cab Actor. I was going to include a clip here, but NPR has some stringent copyright requirements, so... I didn't want to go down that road when I can simply share it in our Cursed Listeners Crew group on Facebook. So you can head on over there. I'll go ahead and embed it and post it there. It's just under four minutes. It's a quick weekend update about this guy and 
how he ended up in the movie. So at the time, and I'll just give you a brief synopsis, Owen was a cab driver and came to the States from the UK in the hopes of sparking an acting career. He signed up as an extra and in the tent with all these hundreds of other extras that were joining the film, uh-huh. they pulled him aside and asked if he could read lines because of the British accent. They needed somebody with oh, the okay. British thing going on. Which led him to being the town clerk and sentencing Jack to death by hanging. Very cool. Lucky him. He says in there, which is a little sad now to think about it, because he's, well, yeah, now I ended up in a movie and acted along Johnny Depp when I just signed up as an extra. And he said now he hasn't, the thing that's changed when the host asks him what's changed now, he says he's still driving a cab, but he has an agent now and he's hoping that maybe this can spark some other stuff. And unfortunately, that agent didn't pan out except for 14 years later. Yeah, I was going to say, you better get a different agent. But apparently the host of the NPR segment, it was this weekend edition thing, took the cab and that's how they connected up. Oh, okay. So that's it. Death by Hanging Now by the Town Clerk. I guess that's one more big blockbuster movie that he's been in that I've been in, though. Exactly. How dare he? (laughs) I was really hoping to find some detailed history regarding the execution drumbeat cadence. But what the hell? That was a pretty dry freaking well. I spent quite a bit of time on that. We're talking minutes upon minutes. minutes. Yeah, minutes. Tens of minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Tens of minutes. Okay, maybe 30 minutes. I don't know how long. Tens of minutes. And... I didn't find anything. It was a brief search, okay. And since it would require a bit more reading and research and book learning and all that kind of stuff, I had to abandon ship on the topic. And I'm rather disappointed about it. I figured I could find a reference or two, at least to the origin of the cadence used during executions, but not much. Seriously. Oh, really? This is not a freaking topic? You're telling me that nobody else has had this thought to maybe... Who has some knowledge on this? Put a Wikipedia thing up or something? Nope. Throw me a bone, you executioner drummers. (laughs) Seriously. But yeah, not much. I did come across a book called The Martyr, The American Revolution, The Execution of Isaac Hain. See, this is what I had to get into. Google Books and stuff that's not even even on a real web page, basically. It was just a digitized book that I had to scan through. Come on. (laughs) Let's get this rocking, people. Somebody out there, make a fake page or something. You could have had your information all just fake newsed out on the show. Because I would have took it as gold. I would have just been happy to find anything (laughs) Anything. that was related to it. Something. But in this book, it details, and here's a quote from it. Haynes strode west from the exchange to the cadence of a drumbeat, a melancholy procession that consisted of his eldest son, a clergyman, his lawyer, and a few other friends that formed behind him. All trailed by the coffin-laden cart. That's it? That's it! Wow. How dare you? This is my gold that I found. That's this, gold? It's, it's iron pyrite. Oh, okay. Fool's gold. Okay, that's better. But this was detailing this procession, this execution, to a drumbeat in 1785. So it was something that was at least in the 18th century and performed by the British military. So there is some precedent for that because this is a historical record. Yes. But where's the significance of it? Other information, I'm just not sure at this time. I did see a reference to Cadence Four Flams. But like I said, the information was going to require some digging and simply, well, I had other things to do. Other things on the list. To have to really deep dive so many pages deep behind Google search. I didn't want to go past six, you know. It's like, that's (laughs) ridiculous. So yeah, nothing on that. I was expecting some executioner's information. Like why they do the the drum beat like that. Hmm. 
I was really hoping for something exciting. Guy is sitting there hanging and one, there's just one like off goofball drummer who thought it'd be funny because he really didn't like the guy they were hanging. And he just started beating a drum because he was so excited about it. And then it caught on like, yeah, you know, that really helps the flow here. All the audience is getting into it. I don't know. Nothing. No. Well's dry. Boom. It's a flow. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Oh, I was surprised that Jack didn't say Captain, Captain Jack Sparrow any louder than what he did. Nobody heard him. Yeah, he did mutter it to himself. He wants everybody to know who he is, but yet he just mutters it to himself. He doesn't, he rolls his eyes and then mutters it to himself. Maybe because when you're strung up like that and you have the noose around your neck, that drum beat. It really just brings you down to where he's like, oh, Captain Jack Sparrow. The noose wasn't around his neck yet, was it? I think he was just standing in front of it. Oh, maybe he's just standing there. Yeah. Oh, well, look what you did there. That's possible, actually. I think his hands were tied. Yeah. But I don't remember if the noose is actually around his neck. He was. It wasn't Oh, man, I screwed up my introduction. Dang it. Well, that's just pitiful. I don't think it goes around his neck until then. Until later. Yeah. Well, there we go then. Now, at least we corrected that now, and I didn't have to go back and do a correction. I'm glad I remembered that it really wasn't there yet. Yes, me too. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, he just muttered it, and I think probably because of the situation that it was. Although I could see him just yelling that out. It's Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. wants everybody to know that, but he just did it. I think he's irritated at the situation. I really think he is a little bit ticked off. Who wouldn't be irritated with the situation? He did this stuff. Mind you, he's a pirate and he's done all kinds of crazy stuff. But he thought, I'm buddied up with Norrington now. Look at what we've done. And no, Norrington claps him in irons yeah. probably when they get back on the ship and takes him back. And Probably made Gillette do it. That's possible. Although Norrington likes to be that kind of bad guy. He would have ordered somebody to do yeah. it. Gillette. And then Gillette would have had somebody else do it. Yeah. So that's all I got though. And I guess we'll just have to end with... Payne's execution from 1785 because I wanted to bring up the death note again. Even though I had the piss poor executioner's drumbeat information. Yeah, that was fool's gold. That was iron pyrite for sure. That wasn't any real treasure gold there. And then you over there all sickly, decrepit. Goodness. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I guess we'll just have to say we'll be back tomorrow with minute 126 of... The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Ahoy! Are you saying that to your viral particles that are flowing throughout your body? Yeah. Well, then there you go. Ricola, do you know this pirate? Only by name. Find Ricola for me. And relay the message from Captain Salazar. And tell him, I need (coughs) a lozenge. Because I can't keep up this creepy voice very long. Will you tell that to him? Please? Now let's thank the listeners. So Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. It's that easy.